strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. What are Americans most worried about right now? And the polling numbers are saying that the Americans are worried about inflation, that Americans are watching things go up in price. This isn't just a political debate. This is where the realities hit people. You want to know why politics in America is one thing, but the reality in America has nothing to do with politics. Um, The popularity of Joe Biden coming into office has dwindled down to nothing where his numbers, his poll numbers are as bad as Trump's were at the worst in Trump's presidency. And on top of all of that, we are seeing that in a head to head polling, Trump wins in most polls if they were to they were to be in a race against each other again. And I don't Trump's politics certainly hasn't changed. Neither are people's opinions of him. What is happening is a shift. And it's a shift by people that are largely apolitical, but have opinions on issues. And that's the the really what we should be talking about is issues. And the issue is this. When Americans are watching inflation price them out of their lifestyle, they get concerned when they don't see an administration that seems to be listening or reacting to that. They get even more concerned and then they get angry. I want you to listen. A TV station is asking President Biden about inflation, asking about more expensive Christmas presents. I want you to hear the reaction. We are just 11 days away from Christmas and there are still concerns about supply chain issues across the nation. Do you feel comfortable speaking to parents and telling them that gifts are not going to be a problem for Santa on December 24th? Well, they're not going to be. You're going to. The problem is they're going to be available. <laughs> it's going to cost you money. Or it's going to cost Santa some money. So it's almost like he's blowing off the concerns by people. Um, he is talking with people. Um, what do people say? I want you to hear people that are more concerned about government spending on top of inflation. Uh, the way I say to them, this is not going to cost a single solitary penny. We're not going to increase the deficit by one cent in the Build Back Better plan at all. And what we did in the same thing in terms of the whole effort to rebuild our infrastructure, we're paying for it. And the reason we're paying for it, we're starting to ask people to pay their fair share. I'm a capitalist. I think you should be able to go out and make a a million dollars or a billion dollars, but at least pay your fair share. Again, fair share. I want you to think about the highest tax rate that we've seen when you're seeing people approaching a 40 percent corporate tax or a 40 percent tax rate. You explain to me how 39 point something percent of anything is fair. I want you to think about that wherever you are in life. If it was you put you in there, I don't care how much money you make. You're making a million dollars a year. Should you work until May or sometime in May and give all of that money to the government? And the answer is that's not fair for anyone. But anyway, that's that's my opinion. Let's go on. How's he going to pay for it? Just like he said. So if we have corporation paying a minimum tax of 15% and all the things we're talking about, it's all paid for. And nobody making less than $400,000 a year will pay one single penny more for anything in taxes. Not in taxes, but you're going to pay more because prices are going up. That's how it works. So this is what I also think is interesting. Um, he was on uh, WHIO TV, and this is who's to blame for inflation. 
Over the last several years, a lot of the big operators come in and bought out the small producers and bought out the small the, the, the small guys who are from moving it from the farm onto your table. And so, for example, Tyson, uh, this last quarter, made, I think, a little over a billion more in profit than before because they're able to raise prices. There's so few people to compete with. I'm urging the Congress to hold hearings as to the concentration of power in a few hands controlling the food processing side of the equation. So he's blaming the conglomerates. They're, they are to blame for the high prices. Inflation is, to be, is being blamed on the food producers. Let's go a little further. This is his White House spokesperson, Jen Psaki. Well, the president, the secretary of agriculture have both spoken to what we've seen as the greed of meat conglomerates. That is an area when where people go to the grocery store and they're trying to buy a pound of meat, two pounds of meat, 10 pounds of meat. The prices are higher. That is in his view uh, and the view of our secretary of agriculture because of, you could call it corporate greed. Sure, you could call it uh, jacking up prices during a pandemic. So let's let's go. Let's go with that for a moment. Um, The pandemic was in full force during the previous administration, and this didn't happen. Um, The costs are going up for a number of reasons that are tied directly and some indirectly to the policies of this administration. So you can blame it on the food growers. This is where my problem with greed and this accusation, this is where the problem lies. It is that you are demonizing people in America, and then people want controls, regulation, and rules. Go look at Venezuela. You know, I am not a historian. I, you know, I am I am an armchair historian, but I read and I look into things and I follow trends and I see what's happened. Go look at what happened when when Chavez was in Venezuela. Go look. They started off by talking about a fair wage. They started talking about paying people. Here's the problem. That's what America does. But then the prices go up. So you can we can have a $30 an hour minimum wage if you want one. But then the prices of everything are going to go up so that those people that are making minimum wage now are in the very same place in their life at $30 an hour. Everything goes up. You know, people in Northern California make a lot more money for doing the same job than they do in Phoenix, Arizona. Their quality of life isn't better because their cost of living is so much higher. And that's what happens with a minimum wage increase. So the only way that you can try to control that is now to control the profits that companies can make and price control. So we are going to dictate to corporations, you can, you must pay your employees this, and you can only make this much money. We're going to cap your prices. And you do that by demonizing them. You set them up as the villains. And they're not the villains. If you want to talk about greed, let me give you another angle on greed. Isn't it greedy that at a time in America when American businesses have been underwater because of COVID-19 and trying to figure out getting employees back, supply chain issues, how do we get our customer base back? How do we get back on track? How do we get back in on solid footing financially? Wouldn't you think wouldn't you say it's a little bit greedy? For the government to come in and say, on top of those pressures that are on you, we are going to confiscate more of your wealth. To me, that's greedy. The idea that the government can mandate and dictate that you have enough money, you've gotten to a station in life where you make more money than you need, therefore we're entitled to take it and do what we want with it. You know, you want to talk about greedy. 
You want to talk about people that are dead set on an agenda without any concern for circumstances. I can make a pretty good argument that that's what's happening with this Build Back Better bill. We are in debt up to our eyeballs, and they believe that this is – anybody that believes that this will not cost anything is out of their minds. It's trillions of dollars. Well, it's paid for by other people's taxes going up, but you don't think your costs are going to go up. So they are going to raise taxes on the job creators. And in trans, the translation of that to you will be your prices are going up. They're greedy for raising your prices, but the government's not greedy for raising their taxes. It's an insane argument. It's an insane argument. Headline in front of me. Latest COVID-19 wave in Arizona is expected to peak in mid-January, according to Banner. And Banner is also saying that they are very stressed at their hospitals. We're going to discuss that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, you can do it. It's simple to do on any device you have. It doesn't matter if it's an Android or an Apple device. It's simple. Never miss a minute of the show. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week by Retirement Planners of America. So a couple of quick headlines. Um, the prediction is that this current spike in COVID-19 cases should peak according to the data they have sometime in mid-January. Um, but what's happening is that we are seeing Banner is saying that they are their hospital are the hospitals are stressed that they are having a hard time keeping up. We've reached eight hundred thousand deaths in America. Banner Health warns of Arizona hospitals are stretched thin. So let I want you to hear Griselda Satino here at KTAR News did a story with Banner. This is a little bit of it. Banner Health hospitals are nearly full, and their predictive models show patient volumes will peak mid January. If our continued forecast holds true, we will be in a position where we will be unable to meet the care needs of all of Arizonans. Chief Clinical Officer Dr. Marjorie Bessel says ICUs is where they're seeing the biggest strain on resources. Currently, COVID patients account for 36% of our ICU patients. 88% of those COVID ICU patients are unvaccinated. She's pleading to the public to get vaccinated and to only go to the ER for life-threatening health issues. So when you when we see there are so many things that play a role in this, I was why I was on social media this morning and there are people that are actually saying that they are in favor of denying medical care to unvaccinated people with covid-19 that it is shocking to me. These are largely the political group of people that also say health care is a human right, that it should be free in America because it's a right. This is the danger of health care. I love this, this analogy because this is why uh, socialized medicine or uh, single payer with the government are the rules that are attached. And if you think that the only rules that will be attached go with COVID-19 and vaccine mandates, you're out of your mind. Body mass index, how much do you weigh? If you're diabetic because you're obese, do, they, we, we, do we give you care? Would you deny care? Anyone out there listening right now, would you deny care to a lung cancer patient that's a smoker? Would you deny care to someone that has liver disease but drinks? Would you deny care to an obese person that's diabetic? The answer is absolutely not. 
But there is a popular opinion out there among some that, you know what, we've got all of these sick people, so we should prioritize them on vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's ghoulish and it's emotional. It's because there are a lot of people out there, and I'm one of them, that looks at the data every day, and you can see the huge disparity between vaccinated and unvaccinated people that are in the hospital or dying. But there's also another statistic. The vast majority of hospitalizations and deaths are among people over the age of 65. So again, you want to force people to get vaccinated. You think it should be mandated. They should lose their health care. They should lose at least their health insurance. They should lose a lot of different things. Well, let me make another argument just just to show you how absurd these conversations really are when you wipe out the emotion. When you look at just the data from today, um, there were the highest number of cases were in the 20 to 44 year old age group, which it always is at eleven hundred and fifty five cases, less than half of those at sixty five plus at five hundred four. Okay, so there were 504 new cases recorded of people over the age of 65, but they accounted for 104 hospitalizations and 56 of the 81 deaths. So they were more than well, more than half the deaths and well, more than any other group when it comes to hospitalizations. By the way, the group with the most 1155 had 47 hospitalizations, less than half of the other group. So it's inverted and five deaths versus 56 more more than 10 times the number of deaths. So let me make this argument to you. Here's the argument. If we want to stop hospitalizations and deaths instead of mandating That everybody get vaccinated instead of vaccine mandates and taking away people's work. Many of those people aren't in a huge amount of danger. Why wouldn't we then make put mandates on people over the age of 65, force them to protect themselves, force them to wear masks, force them to get vaccinated, force them to stay out of crowded buildings and places indoors where we know it spread the most. You in favor of that? I'm not in favor of it. But if you want to stop hospitalizations and deaths, if we want to stop overwhelming the healthcare system, it isn't just the groups of people that are unvaccinated that are causing this. People over the age of 65 who are the highest vaccinated group among us at 98 percent are still the ones that are most likely to be hospitalized or die from COVID-19. Now, I would never want to do to force those kinds of conditions on anyone. But you want to force a vaccine on people saying that's the American patriotic thing to do. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear um, this is the president talking about unvaccinated people. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, the unvaccinated. That's the problem. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? See, what's the big deal? All right. So let's flip the script. My mother is 78 years old, 78 years old. She has she's a lung cancer survivor. She has taken medication that suppresses her immune system. You know what she did? She stayed away from my my uh, her grandkids, my nieces and my nephew. She didn't go to their sports events. She would have never in a million years said, cancel everything you're to my brother. Cancel everything your kids are doing to protect me. My mom protected herself. And I don't know an older person out there that would want people to change their lives to protect them. They'll protect themselves. But flip the script. 
instead of saying all of these young people who are not in a large amount of danger statistically of serious illness or death, it happens, but in very low numbers, instead of forcing this on them, let's force restrictions on old people. Let's force old people back into their houses. They can't go to restaurants. They can't go indoors. They have to do takeout food. Let's go back to that. That will drive this down as well. Now, everybody's laughing at how absurd it is, and it is. No more absurd than forcing someone to get a vaccination. Coming up in a moment, um, we're going to do this is polarizing. We're going to talk about the political polarization in America and how it's affecting people. I'll do that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks again. I appreciate you being with me this morning. A political divide in America. By the way, some people commenting. It was great. We had some people calling into the radio station talking about um, health care and, uh, and the prioritization of people. I wasn't talking about prioritization. I was talking about the people out there that are so mad politically that they want to deny care to people. Banner is saying that they are stressed. Well, Banner is also one of the companies that fired workers that didn't get the vaccine. So it's not bed space only. It's bed space in some cases, but it's also workforce. There are a lot of people that are good at their jobs and willing to go back to work. Hire them. Hire them back. Hire them back. But politically speaking, and that's what segues into this, this political divide we're in is absurd. And you can point out the absurdity by flipping it on its head. And we're going to do that here in a moment. Political polarization in the U.S. may be reaching an irreversible tipping point is the story. I don't believe that's true. But headlines, you know, that's what it gets. You, it gets people looking um, when this happens. And uh, there's a, also a headline that says report socialism attacks hurt Dems with Latino voters because so many people that are coming here from Central American countries are in these socialist slash dictatorship countries. They don't want to see that here. But is it true? We're going to get to this in a moment. So here is when we talk about political divide in America, the DNC had their Christmas party. The president appeared. And this is what the president said at the party. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going in for a problem. I hope you remember what got us to the White House in the first place. As Democrats, we know what we're for. While Republicans don't seem to be for anything. Name me something they are for. They're against everything. We have to keep making the case. And if we do, I believe we're going to win. Let me say this again for the president. We're going to win in 2022. So that's a holiday party. Merry Christmas. Santa Claus speaks. Democrats win. What do Republicans stand for? So I could list a, a number of things. I, I've actually talking with people um, about apologetics. And I, I, this is something that's really important to me. I don't know if I'm going to write about it or what I'm going to do. Um, I'm not the authority, but it, it's an idea. I, you know, I'd love to hear from other people. Apologetics is a course that people take when they're in seminary, when they are in religious training. And apologetics is defending your faith. It's not telling people what you believe, but being able to explain why you believe it. There is nothing more important than that because you can win on issues by having a well-thought-out conversation and argument about why you believe what you believe. And systematically, we have to start talking about it. Um, Let's start talking about the border. I'm going to get to the political divide in a moment. Let's talk about the border. Well, you're someone that's for a secure border. You're a racist and a xenophobe and you don't understand. And uh, people are coming here that are desperate and you're just a horrible person that doesn't care. That's the argument. 
Well, when you can start laying out the case of how pro-immigration we really are, how much we love, and I, I, I embrace, seriously embrace people that come to this country from somewhere else, and they show us what the American dream really is by living it in one generation and becoming a part of our society, either through a visa program or the, you know, the green card and the citizenship program. No doubt about it. Being able to explain why you believe it that way, that border control is necessary, but that doesn't mean we're anti-immigration. When it comes to the abortion issue, I know it's a very touchy subject. I don't believe I'm going to change a lot of people's minds, but I want respect. I've never called a woman a baby killer. I would never do that. My mother has been my hero my whole life. She worked and worked and worked and worked to, to raise three kids. I've got two girls that I want to believe they can accomplish anything. I wouldn't want to make laws against on somebody's body. But if I believe that it is truly is a human life, the argument about abortion has always been, when does life begin? That's where the argument is. Does life begin at conception? At what point in the pregnancy? You know, late term abortions, uh, first trimester. It's all about when life begins. If you believe it's a human life, then you believe it deserves to be protected constitutionally. So we can have a conversation where we can defend what we believe. First Amendment, Second Amendment. That diminishes the political divide, and now it's a difference of opinion. It's not us against them. It's not you in a football stadium when we're playing, you know, the 49ers and you're wearing a Cardinals jersey and a fight breaks out, you know? And so um, this socialism thing gets me. The socialism attacks. Well, there's a difference between an attack and pointing out socialism when you see it. Senator Blumenthal. Um, he is a Democrat from Connecticut, attended an award ceremony just the other day, and it was hosted by the Connecticut People's World Committee. It's a branch of the Communist Party. Um, it's uh, also uh, the Marxist People's World website. Blumenthal was a surprise guest, and he presented the annual Amistad Awards. I'm really excited and honored to be with you today and share in this remarkable occasion, he said during the ceremony. So it's not an accusation of socialism if you're associating with the Communist Party. This is the reality of who we are. AOC makes it very clear that she is a democratic socialist and she thinks socialism is a good thing. Well, nobody else. Why aren't we running to Venezuela? I mean, honestly, why why are why do they not have a border problem like we do? Why don't we seeing why aren't we seeing Americans that are in favor of socialism, why aren't we seeing them fleeing to socialist countries? They could have all the fairness they want. It, the reason why is it doesn't work. It, has, it diminishes the quality of life for everyone. And it, you know, in America years and years ago, we didn't have the political divide because we didn't allow the voices that are looking to change our way of life as dramatically as this is. The great thing about America is we have the ability, if you get enough Americans on board, to change directions. Our Constitution allows for that. And we are seeing a concerted effort by people trying to change the direction of this country. It starts by demonizing one group of people. In this case, it's the rich. Um, demonizing people by race, demonizing a group of people. When you demonize them, you can marginalize them. Once they're marginalized, rules don't apply to them in the same way. It's the way in Denver, you got a school district that said, we are having a people of color playground night. Imagine, imagine the most racist group of people you know having the boldness to put up a sign and say, this is a whites-only playground night. 
Can you imagine that? Nobody can. But nobody bats an eye when you have a equally racist, only people of color. If you're white, you can't come. And what you're able to do is marginalize one way of thinking. White, male, Republican, rich. If you're those things, you're marginalized. You're demonized. You're the oppressor. You're the problem. White privilege. You don't understand. You're wrong. Now we can change the rules for you. We did the same thing in this country with people of color. Black Americans were seen as less than. Eat at the lunch counter, sit in the back of the bus, use a different restroom, sleep in a different hotel, use a different water fountain. You're not the same. You're less than. They were marginalized. There is no doubt they were marginalized and treated as less than. Just doing it in reverse. And we just got to get off that train. We have to. In a moment, um, an argument about the First Amendment. And uh, we're going to talk about this because it goes back to an old story um, about, remember the, the, com- the company that didn't want to bake a cake and be part- participate in a gay wedding? Well, that, along with something else, where the First Amendment, it's Christmas. We're going to talk about that coming up in just one moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Christmas through New Year's Day is the lowest week of the year for blood donations, and January is the highest blood usage month of the year for patients. So please consider making a blood donation on Sunday, January 2nd at Vitalant's Saving Arizona Blood Drive. Schedule your appointment right now by going to vitalant.org slash saveaz, and you can donate there. Easy to do and really, really necessary. Um couple of stories. I love this. It used to be one of my favorite topics to laugh about each year is kind of the assault on the religious aspect inside of Christmas. Um, I love this time of year beginning in Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. People tend to be a little bit nicer. People are a lot more thankful. We are more mindful of our blessings than we are our problems at many times. And I love this time of year. I I just do. Um, Hanukkah, Christmas, Thanksgiving. It is uh, it's beautiful. It truly is. And what made me laugh about this is for people that are not even, and I say religious because I don't like that word. I'm trying to think of a better one, but religious that don't attend church on a regular basis, they do pray at Thanksgiving. It's, you know how awkward it is. If you're not someone that is used to praying, especially praying before a meal, it's like a fight to get someone to be willing to say the prayer because it's weird. There's no doubt. But we do it we, because we're thankful. We're thinking about it, and we genuinely are thanking God. We want to thank God, but it's awkward. We're not used to praying. I, I know, you know, I know that it happens for some people. Um, and when it comes to uh, Christmas time and the way we treat each other, people seem to be more thankful for the things they have. And when there, we, we used to see the assaults on Christmas parades. They call them a holiday parade now because, you know, you can't have religious symbols in the public spectrum. This is a, this is a city sponsored function. We've got the police out here protecting and blocking off the parade route. You can't endorse a religion by having a cross on a Christmas parade. It's laughable. The whole thing is laughable. There is a congressman 
introducing a resolution to affirm a right to display Christmas symbols. I, I don't know why this would be necessary. We have a thing called the First Amendment that said that, you know, your right to express your religious freedom, you, it, it shall not be infringed. You can't infringe someone's right to freedom of religious uh, expression. It doesn't matter what it is. And I don't care about yours. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. I mean in a supportive way. If you are of a different faith, and I don't know a lot about all of them, but I, I, I have friends uh, who celebrate Hanukkah. My, one of my best friends growing up celebrates Hanukkah. Every year I wish him a happy Hanukkah. My friends here um, in, in Arizona, I make sure I wish them a happy Hanukkah. I, want, I know what a great time of year it is in their faith. But it doesn't matter what faith you are. If you have a religious holiday, you have a right to express yourself. Um, I grew up Catholic, although I'm, I, I don't practice Catholicism anymore. I grew up Catholic. The majority of my family and friends back in Florida still are practicing Catholics. Um, Ash Wednesday, where you get ashes on your forehead in the sign of a cross and you, you wear those ashes the rest of the day. I think that's an amazing expression of faith. Good for you. If, if you are required to wear a headscarf, if you're required to wear a, a, a turban or wear some kind of something on your head, whether it's a yarmulke or whatever it is on your head as an expression of your faith, good for you. You're guaranteed that in our Constitution. Why do we have to have a congressman once again defending the expression of Christmas? You know, it's like, OK, well, the state capitol puts out a nativity scene at Christmas time. So now remember those. Uh, was it the uh, the the the, uh, the flying spaghetti monster or whatever that guy was that wanted to uh, that put a colander on his head um, and that was his religion. And so they wanted the flying spaghetti monster displayed at the state capitol. These are just anti-faith, again, more anti-establishment um, people that are just trying to upset what is culture. You know, and, and I just I don't understand it there. And whether you agree or not, I will we'll go down this road a little bit. Years after the masterpiece cake shop ruling, free speech battles rage around the Supreme Court. Uh, despite a seven to two Supreme Court ruling in favor of a Colorado baker, a number of creative professionals are fighting legal battles to protect their First Amendment rights. There is a difference between service and participation. And uh, should a Muslim bakery be forced to make uh, anything to participate in a function um, that they don't believe in. Should a Jewish bakery have to make a Nazi cake? Um, you think of this as being absurd, but it's the same thing and it's offensive and it's against what they believe and they have a right to believe those things. And so when you went and I'm not even saying I'm agreeing with it, there have been many businesses where the where the government has defended the right of the business, where people that were denied service or participation have put bad things about them online. And those businesses have suffered because people don't want to do business with them. That's the market. That's not the law. Yes, you have a right. Sometimes you have a right to be an idiot and sometimes you have a right to destroy your business. And uh, I just I look at this and I think the First Amendment was written for this exact reason. What we're going to do just after 10 o'clock is talk about the border, a new way the Tucson Border Patrol caught someone. It's coming up next.